This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. series we have received the most feedback on so far a lot of people just don't realize how critical emotional intelligence is to ux especially when you realize that folks i say it all the time need to put it on a t-shirt doing ux being involved in ux being a professional uxer is more than just doing the work we can't just focus On the work, there are way too many other things that are going on, way too many moving parts. And when we tap into these things and make sure that we are are expanding our EQ, that we're aware of where we are at our at our from a growth and maturity standpoint with regard to our EQ, that really helps to drive us. We just get better and we find out where we need to improve and find out what we could have done better. We we go through something and we take a look at the lessons learned. Is there something I could have done better from an EQ perspective to have driven greater success in that project? Folks, EQ is critical. So we're going to look at five quick things here in wrapping this topic up and looking at EQ and the pulse of UX today. And the first thing we want to talk about is, well, doing the work, functioning. I talk often about the four pillars of UX. I talk about usability and heuristics. I talk about information architecture. I talk about UX research and I talk about interaction and interface design. And when you look at how we operate in conjunction with those four pillars, yes, for those of you that have never heard me, elaborate on that before there are outliers there are other things but these are the pillars everything we do in ux comes back to one of these four pillars so when we're functioning we're doing something in conjunction with these things in the midst of these as you look at heuristics as you look at the information architecture you look at how people are using whatever your solution might be you're looking at the research and you're engaging in research when you're looking at interaction and interface design, it is really critical to the success of the work, no matter what we're doing, that we are empathizing. Again, I say this all the time, a lot of people don't like the empathy aspect of UX, but folks, empathy is a critical and a real part of UX, and it is a critical and a real part of EQ 
And I just love, love, love Adele Lynn's definition of empathy. It really has to do with seeing things from another person's perspective. Just looking at that and doing the work. Look at the pillars. When you look at things from a heuristic perspective, when you look at the usability, you're looking at it from the perspective of the user. Are you not? That's a part of it. That's not 100% of it, but it's part of it. And if you don't see things from the user's perspective, you're not really going to be able to drive the usability. You won't understand it. You won't be able to identify all of the heuristic elements. When you look at the information architecture and the, the three main moving parts of information architecture, our nomenclature, how are you labeling things? What, what's the text like? What, 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 what are the calls to action? How, how are they structured? Are they really helping a person to do what it is that they need to do? Are you looking at the navigation? How have you labeled things in the navigation? How have you structured the second factor? How have you structured the taxonomies? How have you grouped things? Is it a, a topic-based information architecture or is it a task-based information architecture? In either case, the way that you structure it is critical and you can't get to an optimal point without understanding the perspective of the users. I think you see where I'm going. You go through all of these as we're doing the work, the research. That's a big part of understanding the user's perspectives because a lot of times we're engaging in discovery because there are some things we simply don't know from a from the perspective of the users. And so when we conduct research, we understand what their perspectives are and now we gain actionable data that helps us to, to go about doing things the right way but research, at the core of research, folks, it has to do with the empathy, understanding things from other people's perspectives, understanding what their mental models are, understanding what tasks they're performing. So when we do our task analysis, when we do our needs analysis, all of these things are about understanding the perspectives of the users. Interaction and interface design. I say this often. There's an interface. There's a UI. And then people will interface with it. So there's an interface noun and then they interface verb with it. And so those best practices, those old, old uh, principles that that were that were published by Bruce Tognazzini on best practices for for interface design revolve around empathy. We cannot do our work without understanding the perspectives of other users or of users, period. And so just that aspect of alone shows how EQ is tied into the functioning, how we go about actually doing the work. So there's functioning. The second point is hiring. <laughs> this is a big one, and we've already talked about this on another, on another episode, but hiring is massively dysfunctional in UX today. And a lot of people out there get upset with me for saying things like that because, oh, Darren, you dwell on the negative. I have something to say to you today. And I've said this before and I'm repeating it, but I'm going to go a little further. There is no such thing as positive and negative. There is constructive and there is destructive. And I just published a blog post where I was talking about that metaphor that I use on a regular basis. If you have a nail in your tire, 
and we'll take it, look at it from the perspective of these positive negative folks. If you have a nail in your tire, now that's just a fact. If it, there's a nail in your tire, if someone comes along and tells you that there's a nail in your tire, do you mean to tell me that that's negative? <laughs> it's really sad. It's really sad that people do that. And, and they label things that people need to hear as positive or negative. Folks, it either helps or it doesn't. It's either detrimental or, or it builds. It, it's either something that helps you to ascend or something that, that, that puts you at bay and stunts what it is that you're doing. Now, so we need to know UX hiring today is massively dysfunctional. And until we face that, until we come to grips with the fact that there is a nail in the tire of UX, that thing will never get fixed. It is a critical aspect of being successful. It is a critical aspect of emotional intelligence. Matter of fact, I'm going to share something with you. I think this is really, really critical how important this whole positive negative thing, the, the reasons why we need to drop it. I want to share with you a statement that's in the book, Building User Research Teams, written by Steve Bromley. And he makes a wonderful statement that really, I think, embodies what I'm trying to communicate when when I talk about the nail in the tire, when this whole negative positive thing, this whole thing where people get upset with me because of the things that I call out. And it's really interesting because, I mean, before I even get into this thing by Bromley, if you're upset with the things that I call out, I wonder which direction are you actually headed? Uh, and and here, here's, here's the piece from Bromley. He says, he talks about, uh, this is a fantastic book on building user research teams. And he says, by overcoming problems, that a researcher has encountered and sharing good practice, the whole team improves. And when the team engages in different studies, it becomes easier to run more efficient and more accurate, leading to the quality of the team's work improving overall. What is the moral of this statement? Why are we sharing this statement? You absolutely cannot overcome a problem that you have not identified. You need to identify and come to grips with the quote unquote nail in your tire. And when you do identify it, then you can come up with strategies to overcome it, which leads to bettering your practice, which leads to being more efficient, which leads to more accuracy, which leads to higher quality. So it's the beginning. And I, I bring up things that are going on in UX so that it can be on someone's radar. And when we get things on someone's radar, we can begin to make progress. If we ignore the problems and we only want to talk about successes and things that make us feel good, that's called denial. That's called toxic positivity. That is what I have already called out as an EQ red flag. Denial means that emotional intelligence is being kept at bay. When somebody has a nail in the tire, it is in that person's best interest to find out about it as quickly as possible. Then we move toward solutions so that we can overcome 
those things. And, and folks even say sometimes, hey, you got to bring up more solutions. The solutions will come. First, let's come to grips with that. One thing at a time. Identify the issue. Then you engage in solutions. And when it comes to somebody like me that's helping you, uh, we don't present the solution at the same time that we present the issue. Those things are building blocks. So, so it, it's interesting. And then people want to disavow the identification of the problem because you have not presented the solution. And, and that is, uh, yeah, that it's, it's, it's an EQ red flag as well, folks. These things are critical. So back to the point. Hiring is, there. there is a whole chunk of issues when it comes to UX hiring today. Uh, people are being hired, they're not qualified. Uh, people are lying to get into jobs. Companies don't have strong UX maturity levels, so they hire anybody because a lot of times the people responsible for doing the recruiting get more credit for filling a seat than they do hiring the right person. So that leads to a lot of problems. You have people who are unqualified, who get into positions of UX leadership, who will not hire somebody who is truly qualified to work under them because they are insecure. We have issues where there are people who get into positions of leadership and they come across folks who are highly skilled in the discipline. And instead of seeing that person as an asset, they see the person as a threat. There are people who do not want senior UXers on their teams because they see that person as a threat. They don't see it as, hey, I can really learn a lot for this person because there is an emotional intelligence issue. All of the things I just mentioned tie back to emotional intelligence. They don't say, hey, I can learn from this person. They go, ooh, uh, I don't know if I want to work with that person. Uh, that person is going to make me look bad. And and <laughs> no, <laughs> it's really sad. And, and then a lot of entry-level people say, well, yeah, but Darren, they need to hire us too. You know what? Entry-level people get hired when it's time to hire entry-level people. And truth be told, and let me say this first, I'm pulling for you. I want you to do well. If you're getting into UX, by all means, we do want you to be successful. But when people encourage you to get into UX, they should also be telling you that it is an uphill battle. And right now, I just heard about 300,000 people graduating from the Google program and no, we're not endorsing it. Matter of fact, I don't like that program one bit. But 300,000 people, folks, that's 300,000 competitors for entry-level roles alone. There's already less entry-level positions available than anything else, and now the market is saturated. It's completely overwhelmed with entry-level people. Did not anybody think about that? So it, it's really, really interesting, uh, and, and the people are worried about getting a job, and, and rightfully so. You, you want a job? Yeah, anybody in that position would, but there's a gross lack of realism on the behalf of the people that are trying to get the jobs, and folks, that goes back to EQ once again. And they, oh, they got to hire me. They got to give me a chance. The only way they, they feel that way because you want it and, and you should want it. But you got to realize that the, the feverish, the intensity is there because of bias. And no bias is an emotionally intelligent state of mind. 
it, it, people will, it, here's the funny thing too. People are, are upset because they can't get a job. Fast forward five years. Guess what's going to happen in five years? In five years, you're going to have a hard time getting a position. It actually, that challenge exists throughout one's UX career. Do you think anybody is telling people that? No. Do you think people, when they hear it, do they want to embrace that and say, wow, that's the way it is, Darren? Man, I hear you. Okay, I got to get ready to manage. I got to make myself as qualified as I can be. I got to get ready to compete for those jobs. Do you think that's what they're saying? No, no, they, they're that, that sense of entitlement, which is a, an EQ red flag, is something that's at work. So without me getting into a whole lot more details about that, that really helps to, to illustrate where the EQ problems are, whether it's the company that's at fault or whether it is the applicant, there are EQ problems on both sides. And in order to get better on both sides, sides, there must be a commitment to emotional intelligence. It's the only way to get past the issues there. So I actually covered two, hiring and job seeking. So, and, and, and to elaborate a little bit more on job seeking, when you're looking for a job, I did just publish a new blog post called the UX Job Seeker Manifesto to help people get a more realistic state of mind, to help people usher them to EQ without really even addressing the issue of EQ. There has to be realism. There has to be preparation. I have tried to help people get jobs. I've taken resumes, put them into, into referral systems, uh, only to be told that the people that I was trying to help get a job never applied. Folks, that's EQ. <laughs> that's an EQ issue. I'm not going to walk up to somebody and say, here, hire this person. These are, these are not mom and pop shops. These are large corporations a lot of times. You have to apply. You have to make sure you submit a resume that, that is reflecting who you are and the value that you bring. You must make sure that you are not misrepresenting yourself. You must make sure that you are not lying. All of these things tie back to emotional intelligence. So job seeking, the more emotionally intelligent the job seeker is, the better chance you have because of the things that that emotional intelligence will dictate to your heart that you need to do. Next, and we talked about this already, uh, we have three segments on this, social media interaction, which is critical to user experience because of networking, because of perception about the discipline, because of the expectations that people have, because of folks that are trying to learn more about UX, because of a lack of EQ, there's a ton of issues out here because of the, the character assassination that people get into, the slander, the, the false promises, the, 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 the sense of entitlement the, that, that is expressed even when people are going back and forth, the lack of courtesy that, that takes place, the people who don't know how to disagree agreeably, all of these things tie back to EQ. And when you are emotionally intelligent, you can hold an adult conversation. When you are emotionally intelligent, you will stop and listen to something and you will apply critical thinking so that you can digest what somebody is saying before you respond to it. 
when you embrace and demonstrate emotional intelligence in social media, when something happens that you think it might be a hard pill to swallow before you react emotionally, remember, emotionally intelligent, duh, when you're emotionally intelligent, you don't respond off the cuff and give these these critically imbalanced and, and out of sync uh, uh, responses, out of sync with the brain, out of sync with 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 common sense and logic. When we when people respond that way, when any of us respond that way, that is an EQ issue. And and remember, it's social media, and so succeeding in social media requires social skills. If you do not have them, which by the way, come from emotional intelligence, if you do not have them, if you do not demonstrate them, if you do not embrace them, it causes problems. You will say the wrong things. You will do the wrong things. You will believe the wrong things. EQ is tied to all of those things today. So we need to understand that, which taps into the last element that I want to cover today, the issue of overcoming misinformation. Folks might not realize that to be overcome by misinformation is a sign that there is an EQ problem. So when somebody posts something, there's this new new uh, video that's circulating on YouTube that I heard about in the uh, early part of this week where someone is saying that you can learn UX easily. You can teach yourself UX in seven easy steps, something on that line. Uh, no, you can't. And the person who produced the video is not a UX practitioner, has not been a UX practitioner. This person has just gotten involved in UX. And if my memory serves me correctly, this person started their own company, said that they were a lead product designer or something on that line. But if you go through the person's profile, there is no history of UX. So you can stand up on the corner and say you're an astronaut. It doesn't mean you're an astronaut. And just because somebody says that they're a UX professional doesn't mean that they are, doesn't mean that they know how to go about achieving the goal of becoming that. It doesn't mean that the counsel that they're leaving on record, yeah, they produced a video. Yeah, they put a lot of effort into it. It doesn't mean that anything in the video is true. And, and, and here's one of the problems, also an EQ problem. In UX today, all of these people who cry about gatekeepers who really actually have no idea what a gatekeeper is, the gatekeepers are the ones that are dealing with the character assassination, are dealing with attempts to discredit. And somebody said, well, Darren, aren't you discrediting the guy with the video? Let me put, uh, put it to a question to you. You have person A and person B. Person A is credentialed in, in practicing medicine. Person A has gone to school. Person A has finished an internship. Person A has a whole host of, of, of success. He has patience and things that he or she has done that proves that they are successful, that they are valid. And they've, they've actually received validation from peers and from governing bodies. Everything is set. Person B, by all accounts, has none of the things as person A and is considered in some circles as being a witch doctor. Now, you are sick. Which one are you going to? You're going to go to Dr. A or you're going to go to Dr. B? The answer is clear. 
So there are people today that are operating in UX and they are the equivalent of witch doctors. Again, you might not like that, but that doesn't make it any less true. And, and the fact that people can't, can't face up to what I just said is an EQ problem in and of itself. These witch doctors, these UX witch doctors are publishing all types of inaccuracies and they're creating problems for everyone that embraces what they have to say. People will, will gravitate toward what these people are saying because it makes them feel good or because they got some flashy video or they like the music or they like, might even like the way the person looks. And none of those things have anything to do with being viable when it comes to UX. The medical profession is where it is today because of gatekeepers. The auto mechanic uh, the auto service industry is where it is today because of gatekeepers, folks. The world of dentistry is where it is today because of what some folks want to call gatekeeping, which is really advocating for quality and making sure that people meet standards. And we are a ways off from that happening in UX, but no one understand gatekeeping is not what a lot of these detractors try to trick people into thinking that it is. And, and really they're trying to get people to not listen to the folks that are talking about the standards. I had a person talk about social media interaction. A person said something about me being, uh, why are you, why, why do we need to embrace all of your pedantic statements about UX? Wow. Really? All that is, is a person, the subtitle to what he was saying was, uh, I want to be approved without qualifying and you're in my way. That's really what the person was saying, folks. So we need to understand the importance of quality. We need to understand that if you're going to, to build yourself and build a career in any discipline, you must learn how to operate within that discipline. There are skills. There's knowledge. You build, take skills and knowledge, you build acumen, and then that helps you to be qualified in the work that you set out to do. You can't just sit on the couch and say you want to be X, and then five minutes later or six months later, <laughs> then you're X. You have to put in the work. And today, there's a lot of people that want the job of a UX person, but they don't want to do the work. It doesn't, it, doesn't that sound wrong? Isn't there something off base with that? I repeat, there are people today, they want a UX job, but they do not want to do the work associated with the job. Why is it then that if we stand up and say, you know what, this is how you, this is what you have to do to proceed. This is what you need to learn. This is the way you need to go. This is the path that you need to go. And then people respond to that and say, oh, a gatekeeper. No, all of these cry gatekeeper people, all EQ issues. They want to usher in anarchy and they want to strip down what they, is, is anybody being blocked? Uh, you know what? Actually, yeah, but that's not gatekeeping. It, it's an urban definition of gatekeeping, a street definition of gatekeeping. It's not the actual definition of gatekeeping, but is it the person that's blocking them or is it the standards that they refuse to embrace? I dare you to try to become a, a mechanic and don't embrace best practices. I dare you to try to become a hairdresser, for God's sake, without 
being able to do the things that a hairdresser is supposed to be able to do. Do you know that plumbers have to be certified in certain parts of, of, of the world? And that if you're not certified, that you cannot become a plumber. If you don't, don't prove that you know how to do the work the right way, you don't get credentialed. You don't get to do the work. And yes, Plumbing is a life and death issue. Some people die because of plumbing issues. That is not a hyperbole. That is truth. So these things are all critical, folks. EQ is important to functioning. It's important to hiring. It's important to the job seeker. It's important if we're going to thrive on social media. It's important if we're going to overcome misinformation. And misinformation abounds today. There was no misinformation in UX prior to 2011, 2012. Now it's everywhere and, and almost like it's there's more misinformation than anything else. And then you've got these people out here who are trying to, to actually, not trying, they're doing it. They are doing things that cause all of these areas to be dysfunctional. And they, they actually do things that turn a thumbs down to being emotionally intelligent. If we want to thrive individually, if we want the discipline to thrive, and yes, we are all caretakers of the discipline. I even heard somebody say once that if you're a designer, you are a gatekeeper. So anybody who's fighting against gatekeeping is fighting against the success of UX. We need to be more emotionally intelligent today and everybody wins if and when we do. Folks, that is it. We're going to wrap up the series right there. Thank you again for tuning in today. We're going to move on to some other topics, and I'm going to have some interviews set up in the not-too-distant future, but we hope that you got a lot out of this. I hope I've encouraged you to move in the direction of, of being more emotionally intelligent. I hope I've sold you on the benefits of being more emotionally intelligent. Go and get the Emotional Intelligence Workbook from off of Amazon. Go and read the Harvard Business Review's stories on emotional intelligence. Go and get Adele Lynn's book and take the things to heart and, and, and be ready to be self-aware. Be ready to own who you are when you find out that you might not be up to a certain degree that you thought you were when it comes to, to the game of, of UX, when it comes to, to your practice, when it comes to your acumen. If, if you don't have certain acumen, so what? We all started somewhere. Nobody is putting anybody down. But when you are in denial, that's a problem. When you refuse to improve, that's a problem. When you think you have arrived, that's a problem. We need to be more emotionally intelligent. And when we do, we benefit. The users benefit, our company benefits, our team benefits, the discipline benefits. Embracing EQ is a win-win-win-win-win. So let's be about that today. So that is it for today. We are going to sign off here, folks. So thanks again for joining me next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find it. You know where to get the podcast. <laughs> But it's time to sign off. This is Darren Hood, the host of the world of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. 
Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.